Boy, I'm here for this show uh, because the two people I have joining us, besides Super Don, of course, are so amazing. They're some of my favorite people in the whole wide world. Uh, hour one, you know him, Professor Dr. Brian Hooker, joining us uh, on the air once again live. And then hour two, our good pal from the Tenth Amendment Center, you know him, Big Bad Bolden. Michael Bolden from the Tenth Amendment Center joins me. And we're live at the Oak Barn at Loyalty. Yeah, there you show. Super Don shows that picture. It's a beautiful, huge oak barn to have events at. And we're going to be hosting the third of our uh, three-day barnstorming tour of Virginia with Jonathan E. Mord running for the United States Senate here in this the Commonwealth of Virginia. And folks, if we could just support him, he's going to win because he's going up against a doofus named Tim Kaine who voted against the uh, the ending of the emergency of all the senators. I mean, like what? You can't get out of his own way. Anyway, good stuff going on behind me. They'll be setting up while we're doing the show today. And, of course, the big news is the Trump indictment. We'll cover that as well as a lot of other things with Professor Dr. Brian Hooker and Michael Bolden. All right, here we go. Let's rock the health world. The Robert Scott Bell Bell Show. Voice of health, freedom, and liberty. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Donald Trump is not even a person anymore. He is a symbol. He is a symbol of the average everyday guy that keeps getting screwed every single time. Watches other people screw up big banks, screw up their companies and get away with it. He's, they see people all the time doing stuff that they know if they did, they'd be in prison for 20 years. But because they're not part of the elite, they get away with it. Donald Trump has taken arrow after arrow, and that's why this is the way the average American feels tonight. Yeah. I hope that there's a few Republic or Democrats out there, but this guy has been taking the bullets for the average person now for years. And people on the right feel like he's the only guy that really gets what the people are feeling. And it's uh, it's not going to it's not going to end well. Uh, for the Democrats in the next election. It's just not. I don't know if Donald Trump is the winner or not, but I will tell you this. You're not going to stop a hundred million people. This country is in shambles. And there's going to be a hundred million people that will walk on broken glass and through fire to vote for someone other than this corrupt banana republic administration. Yeah, that word banana republic has been ringing in my head since I saw this happening. Uh, the indictment of former President Donald Trump. And he wants to, of course, run and be president again. Uh, the question is, will this propel him to the win or will it destroy his ability to run or will it be somewhere in between? And uh, as Glenn Beck, you just heard on Fox News yesterday, uh, is he correct in saying that, uh, well, the Republicans will win, whoever it will be, because people will be so disgusted, even some Democrats may be disgusted. I mean, what is the level of banana republic we've sunk into to where you can just indict ex-officials, uh, former presidents or whatever, uh, based on um, 
really a desire to stop them from running because you don't like them so much. All the things that they threw at Trump, and this isn't a screed on whether you like him, love him, or hate him, or whether I like him, love him, or hate him, or Super Don does, but just is this the new bar that has been set this low that you can just go after all of your political opponents? And I remember I seen the meme about uh, the Democrats uh, desperately trying to, uh, oh, well, I got a friend calling him on the air, um, but desperately trying to um, end, end what we call fascism by putting all of its political opponents in jail until that's done fascism will not be over <laughs> you know this is this is what i see happening here at this crazy time in our political history and that's why i'm here at the oak barn at loyalty outside of uh, the dc area uh leesburg virginia uh with our good friend Jonathan E. Mord. He'll be here tonight for the third night in a row. We are doing uh, a barnstorming tour. We were in Richmond last night. We were in Lynchburg the previous night. And great folks are showing up for this thing. If you are anywhere near Leesburg, Virginia, starting at 6 p.m. Eastern time after the broadcast today, come on and join us. There'll be other events. If you go to emord4va.com, you'll see it. Uh, but this isn't what we're doing isn't about Trump or not Trump or DeSantis or not DeSantis. It's about Jonathan E. Mord and getting a, a, a senator, a man of great constitutional integrity, into the U.S. Senate here in Virginia to displace Tim Kaine, who actually opposed the end to the emergency that even Biden can't veto. It's just so ridiculous. Uh, so that guy can't get out of his way. So anyway, Super Don, on the uh, the issue of the indictment, we're going to have Brian Hooker on. He might have a comment or two on it as well. Uh, I just... Banana Republic, those two words together right now is what I see happening. Of course, it's they make they York. make great shirts. Do they? I, I yeah, I, I'm I'm a big fan of Banana. Re That's not the same Banana Republic though. Not the same one. Um, Banana Republic. Uh, for 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 people who don't understand what you mean when you say Banana Republic, <laughs> do they don't not? Well, what would you say? No, not Republic? everybody. Probably the younger generations, especially. But yeah, I think it refers to like uh, like a like a third world country that uh, I guess their their main export is bananas, and uh, they're they're, yeah. they're ruled by an authoritarian or a dictatorship, dictatorship or something. What right? is the the so called nature of a banana republic? Well, basically, political opponents are indicted and thrown in jail, or they're in disappeared. Any way, they're yes, disappeared. They're, you know, disappeared. Uh, and it, the, the rule of law is not something that is acknowledged there. And I recognize here in the United States, we have been descending into banana republic status for a long time, but Biden just uh, accelerated it. And the Democrats who wanted to uh, basically initiate mandatory jabs, mandatory masks, mandatory distancing from one another, lockdown shutdowns, and yes, there have been plenty of guilty Republicans. We, in fact, point that out in the documentary film, Utah Safe and Effective. Uh, so if you go to utahsafeandeffective.org, you'll see this is not a partisan issue, even though right now, without fail, or almost without fail, the Republicans are further on the side of no mandates and the Democrats are all in on mandates with, again, some exceptions, people are peeling off. The question is, like Glenn Beck referred to, will there be Democrats peeling off because this uh, Trump indictment is so ridiculous? Or will they go, yeah, this is awesome. This is what we yeah, wanted from the Democrats. May, there yeah. might be a few, but I'm not going to expect the floodgates to open on something like this because, you know, unfortunately, we're we're living in a time where everything is so polarized and everybody's taking sides. And, it's you know, it's black and white. You're, you're with us or you're against us. Uh, and especially with this Trump thing. Listen, there are people that have been just salivating for this. Mm -hmm. 
you know, and so a lot of people are going to be jumping on uh, the bandwagon and picking the side, you know, that, uh, that they've been, but they've basically been on since Trump got elected. Yeah. So what's I, the fallout going to be on this? That's the question. How, what's going to happen here? I, I tend to believe this is going to work in his favor. Just like everything else, every time they've gone after him, his numbers. It has. That's just how it works. Every time they've, they've, they've tried to silence him, uh, he gets louder. <laughs> the censorship doesn't work. So I think I think that this is going to work in his favor. Now, the question is, is the case that's against him, is it strong enough for him to actually end up being convicted? Yeah, I don't no, know. I, I think, no, no. I've, I've, I've talked to Jonathan E. Mort about that. I've talked to other attorneys on this front. They're like, this is as flimsy a case of a stretch. It seems like it. You've got a DA. Into you've got a DA that ran on, I'm going to get Trump. Yeah. That, that, that's been his agenda, from what mm-hmm. I understand, uh, from the beginning, when he right. was uh, running to become DA. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this really, it stinks of political agenda and vendetta. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, political points. So yeah, I, I don't know. I, but you know what? I, I'm not going to say it won't happen because who knows, who knows right. now the thing, I mean, just think about it. You know, uh, one of the reports that I saw, uh, they were saying, in fact, I think it was, uh, it was Jesse Waters on, on Fox news. Mm-hmm. And he was saying, you know, he's gonna, I, I guess he's going to surrender voluntarily on Tuesday. Trump is. <laughs> They're going to take him into a room. They're going to fingerprint him, and they're going to take a mugshot. Like, yeah, they now need- you know that mugshot is going to be just everywhere. Oh, I mean, yeah. that is going to be the thing. And he was saying that. And then what's going to happen is, uh, for the next two years, it's going to be uh, the Democrats running against a mugshot. <laughs> you know, I mean, really, that's what it's going to be. It's going to be look, we're running against the criminal. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's there's. It's fishy. What's going on here? Yeah. This is the the what they're hoping for. So, well, what we've known is the people that you know like Trump or love Trump are obviously going to love him more and like him more. Question about you know there are people even in the Republican Party that we know that didn't like him. Now, some of them were the the neocon establishment. Some are just like, hey, I don't like his rhetoric. I'm like, you know what? If rhetoric is the thing, Dude, that's there was the there was a lot of things I didn't like about Trump. I, no, I, but, I just, you know, I was not a big fan. And you know that we weren't a big fan yeah. of his you know, back in, in uh, 2012. Yeah. Take taking on Ron Paul the way he did. That's right. wasn't respectful. But again, Trump is not a guy that tends to respect opposition. He goes at it. He's a street guy in that sense. Right. And and I, I would just say that. In the bigger scheme of context, right, if rhetoric that you don't like is enough to turn you off from a guy compared to Biden's absolute and abject destruction of the economy, as well as uh, uh, freedom on so many levels, the, the driving us further into debt. Look, Republicans have been guilty as well. We know that. We, we're not partisan in that way, Super Don. You know that. All but right. I'm just like, if you're worried that he's like kind of rude and crude, I wish he wouldn't be, honestly, but that's him. And I don't think that's going to change. Now, still doesn't mean he's going to be the nominee for the Republican Party or not. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm not trying to predict it. But I, as I said, I want a man of great integrity constitutional knowledge, someone who's beaten back the bureaucratic oligarchy in court eight times in the U.S. Senate to tip the scale and start engaging in separation of powers. Because my goal would be to not care who is president because the executive branch has become so weak in a co-equal context that they couldn't do, Democrat or Republican, significant damage to the republic. But right now we've thrown all three 
all three branches of government into an oligarchy. And that is destroying the country, whether you're a Democrat or Republican. And to find anybody that knows as much as Jonathan Emord on that, it's very rare. You know, Ron Paul was one of those guys. Rand knows some stuff. But, I mean, having Jonathan Emord in the Senate would help. And I'm not saying it, it'll turn the course of history, but, hey, I'm not willing to give up on this country. I'm just not. I, I'm just, look, I'm here. I was born here. This is the country I, you know, I love. Yes, warts and all. We're not the, you know, I'm not so idealistic to believe that we haven't done things that I go, mm, that's not cool. I don't, I don't agree with that. But still, where else on the planet are you going to go? What other country has as its foundation an acknowledgement that our rights come from God, not government? That alone is worth fighting for. Now, I wish we would act like we knew what those documents meant, <laughs> but uh, you know, I'm not giving up super. I'm just saying that I know there are times they want us to give up and just roll over and let them just let's let's fascist dictatorship, socialism, communism, whatever you want to ism it. I yeah. want to basically restore limited government freedom for the people, maximizing the freedom of all people to believe as they would um, worship as they would uh, develop businesses as they would. And, yeah, if you harm another. Yes, there's 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 a price to that. But right now we've seen the oligarchy, particularly like EPA, the FDA, the CDC. These are captured agencies. And even Bobby Kennedy, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., who's also toying with running for president against Biden as a Democrat. Even Bobby Kennedy, who I respect immensely, has acknowledged the limitations of government to do the things that we would wish that they would do, like the do good kind of concept because of regulatory capture. Even the EPA, as an avowed environmentalist that Bobby Kennedy is his whole life, he recognizes the EPA is a captured agency. And he kind of leaned toward the Ron Paul method of understanding why private property, defense of private property rights are important to defend the environment. And therefore, if you violate somebody's property, you could be you could be uh, taken to task for that. Well, right now, the EPA protects the polluters, does not, in fact, protect the planet or the people from pollution. So I, I will say that if you want to add anything to the mix, I'd love to get Brian Hooker into this and so much more because we got to talk uh, some new autism stats out of the CDC that he knows let's, full let, all well. Yeah. Let, let's see what Brian has to say. Brian. Well, hello. It is so good to be back. Um, I, you know, I, I'm sitting here listening to you guys and it was, it was sort of, I could just, I could just listen to you for the rest of the hour. So, you, you know, it's, it's fun that I get to, to, to come in and contribute and, and so forth, but, but you're both the bomb, um, super Don, I'm going to call super de duper Don because I'm kind of in a Barney mood. Yes, and no. when and you have, when you have an affected child who's now adult who watches Barney, mm. um, then it just sort of leaks out of your system after yeah. a while. I've seen <laughs> I've seen countless hours of Barney. So um uh sorry, Don. No, it's okay. No, listen, ha having raised five kids, I understand. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay, I'm in yes. good company. That's good. Well, and also, uh Brian, you know, of course, Jonathan E. Mord, you've met him, you've seen him at the Health Freedom Expos. It's rare to have a man of, of that level of integrity with the intelligence and the Constitution and defense of freedom. And, he, you know, one of the things he, he talks about, at, you know, it's like the crescendo of his presentation. And if he forgets, I get up on stage and make sure he does relate this. Right. That the first thing one of the first things he will do is, is bring legislation to the fore that would prohibit the federal government from mandating any vaccines, not just COVID jabs, and in fact, withdraw all funding or any funding to any school system in the nation that would require it as, uh, you know, a, a, you know, a, a 
what would you say? In order to go to school, you have to get the jabs. Right. And, you know, ultimately, we know that these departments that control these funds shouldn't be here. But in the meantime, you've got to work with what you got. And uh, I know you are all about that freedom because you, you know, yourself with your son and what happened to him with all the coercion and deception surrounding the vaccine schedule led him, him, him into devastating injury and, you know, intense autism spectrum disorder. Absolutely. And, you know, you were talking about Banana Republic. And so um, my favorite Banana Republic is the CDC. It is over $10 billion worth of wasted money. And the CDC has come out with their new autism numbers. If if anything, the CDC has proven that they can count one to 10. So, you know, in the theme of, of childhood shows, we'll, you know, I'm, I'm channeling the count from Sesame Street because we can count, you know, upwards to 36. And what the CDC has found is that now the rates of autism in the United States are one in 36 children, one in 36 children. That's a uh, 317% increase over the year 2000, where we, in the year 2000, we had one in 150, mm -hmm. and we thought that it was horrible then. But we are in this exponential increase, and we are in the steep portion of the exponential curve. And CDC has nothing to say about it except for, oh, well, we need to provide services for these individuals. They, there no, no comment regarding causation, no comment regarding, you know, where are these children coming from? And now, you know, the, the, the sort of better diagnosing um, uh, mantra has fallen apart because they're looking at these underserved minorities like blacks. Blacks have a rate of autism now higher than mm -hmm. whites. And it's one in 34, one in 34 African-American children have autism, you know, and, and hey, I have the key here. I, I know what happened. I know what happened with the MMR vaccine when they gave it to African-American males. And when they delayed the vaccine to African-American males, those that got it on time were over three times more likely to get autism. OK, so, you know, shut up and tell us the truth. It is yeah. just, I am so disgusted with the CDC. And you look at the cataclysm, you look at in underserved minorities like African-Americans, over 50% of those autistic children have gross developmental delays. They are considered uh, at, a, uh, at a, a, a level where they are developmentally impaired. That would be an IQ of 70% or, or of 70 points or less. Yeah. And that is far surpasses the rate of um, of autism with developmental impairment for any other race category. And and so now they can't say, you know, for a while, we, the the rates of autism were mm -hmm. lagging in the underserved communities compared to uh, Caucasian children. Now they've surpassed it, you know, and before they said, oh, well, we weren't just we were not as good at getting African-Americans out of the community and into get diagnoses. Now they're better. And, you know, this whole this 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 whole house of card is just collapsed. So we, we remember references to the rich housewives of Beverly Hills or Marin County. It's like uh, who had a higher incidence of, of children with autism. And I remember John Stewart criticized them for not wanting to get their kids jabbed. And he took a dig at them. I took a dig at him 
uh, right. for promoting things that were, you know, improper. Of course, you know, there was backlash in the Jewish press over that. But uh, we'll put that aside for the moment and say, how many more billions of dollars do we need to budget CDC to figure out what is the primary cause? I don't say exclusive, but primary cause. And that is injecting environmental toxic poisons in a syringe into the, into innocent little children. Uh, how Because how, they know, that, well, let me just say it this way, Brian, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. They don't know what causes autism, but they know it's not vaccines. Wow. I smell a rat. It's, it's a really stinky rat. And, um, you know, you can't, if you don't know what causes something, how can you rule out causation in one particular oh well we know it's not vaccines but we have no idea we have no clue you know what causes it and and now you know there there are studies that implicate tylenol use and tylenol use is also done in conjunction with vaccines i remember you know with my own son the practitioner saying oh well if they run a little low grade give them some tylenol it's like the absolute worst thing you can possibly do yeah um you know of course we were we were the drones back then and we're just like yes sir uh why do you want me to jump how come, you know, and I ask this because I, I know of your actual intelligence. You're just uh, wonderfully smart and and I'm not blowing smoke. You know that you, what you've done as a PhD and you've presented incredible things on this show, much less at Scientific, you know, on in the journal articles that you publish and things like that. But how do the smartest people, according to education level, get so duped, right? Look at me. I don't claim to be smart, although people say I'm smart. I'm not a PhD. I'm not an MD. I'm a homeopath. Yet I knew how dangerous Tylenol was and is and how stupid that is for children or even adults who have the flu, like brain surgeon, uh, neurosurgeon uh, Sanjay Gupta from CNN, who goes, I had the worst case of flu when I was in Afghanistan. I took Tylenol. I'm like, you're a moron. How are you a brain surgeon and a moron at the same time? And so the question is, again, Brian, not to, and again, I, I don't mean to insult uh, Sanjay Gupta's intelligence, but there's a blind spot is all I'm saying. You as a PhD also, you didn't know. And and, and so how is it possible that so, so many smart people didn't know and some still don't know? Is it a matter of, as our dearly departed friend Liam Sheff said, we are just a, a programmable species? I, I, I want to believe differently than that. I do want to believe and and but you know in in my own instance it took a lot of deprogramming and a lot of good brainwashing and a, a very very cataclysmic event in order to open my eyes it really did you, you know I I I did not come by this just through you, you know my my own cerebral strength and the you know and the part vacuum that's between my ears up here um yeah. I you know it it takes a jolt and, you know, unfortunately, our society is being jolted over and over and over again now with the COVID vaccine uh, injuries and, you know, all the information tumbling out, showing just how cataclysmic that was. And CDC with these numbers on autism in their infinite wisdom, what do they do? They, they add the COVID vaccine on the infant childhood schedule down to the age of six months. Mm. Um, but, you know, I, I really, I often wonder, and it, and, it, you know, some of the, that trip down the rabbit hole is very, very inconvenient. It, it does not serve people well in the moment. It does not, you, you know, in a, in, a, in a society, in a soundbite, 30-second, you know, microwave society, the trip down the rabbit hole does not. You have to think. 
You have to look. You have to throw away paradigms that you have lived by, and you have to learn how to trust things that are not your government. And that is really, really difficult. I think a lot of people put misplaced hope in their government, and they don't even know it, and they we don't even it, see yeah, it. Yeah, we call it the grand disillusionment. Uh, right. And it is something that many of us have gone through various times in our life. And we're seeing it even more through the COVID crazy years, you know, whereas some were holdouts to believe in the goodness of the institutions or of a, uh, a PhD or an MD, whatever, at every level, including up to the Fauci level, which has become a curse word uh, to use right. that F-bomb. It's a Fauci bomb and people don't like <laughs> to be called Fauci, uh, you know, and, and the corruption of the NIAID. The amount of money that he controlled over many decades. You know, I covered stories about this because of friends like Liam Sheff and others. Um, back in the 90s, I began to learn of this corruption of NIH. And in fact, my mentor in homeopathy was selected at the time when they had the, uh, the development of the NCCAM, uh, National Center for Complementary and Alternative Medicine which is an outcropping of, uh, you know, a request by certain congressmen and senators that said, hey, I've gotten well with natural medicine and there's no money being put into research into anything natural. And so they threw a bone and, and you know, initially it started pretty interesting. And yet very shortly thereafter, it got destroyed, it utterly corrupted. And that any intent to actually research natural medicine, which would compete with the pharmaceutical world religion, uh, was dashed. And now we see, again, continual efforts to destroy even medical doctors who had ideas and successful ideas that were implemented in, under COVID to treat patients and, and had 100% success rates in recovery and, and survivability, whereas the official government-sanctioned treatments, including Fauci's promotion of things like remdesivir uh, and, and vents, uh, proved to be disastrous in addition to the COVID mRNA injection that nobody in their right mind can say is safe and effective except someone like Kathy Hochul or, or uh, I don't know, a Michigan governor. I mean, these people are... And Gretchen uh, Whitmer, yes. Gretchen Whitmer, yeah. These kind of people that go, yeah, it's still safe and effective. You should get the booster. Uh, again, moron is the word that keeps coming to mind. I don't mean to insult, but they're insulting the, our intelligence by trying to claim this is safe and effective. And and I'm not getting away with it. You know, it was very interesting. Uh, the National Academies of Science, um, Engineering, and Medicine, which is used to be uh, part of the part of that used to be the Institute of Medicine, is now having a series of committee meetings on COVID nineteen vaccine injury. And uh, one of their second meeting, uh, their first meeting was completely closed door. Their second meeting was yesterday. Uh, I was able to give public comment. The only portion of the meeting that was open was of public comment. And really interesting, the, the, the same individual who was from the Institute of Medicine who was in charge of the study group for COVID-19 vaccine injury was the same individual that covered up the uh, causal relationship between autism and vaccines back in 2004. Her name's Kathleen Stratton. Mm -hmm. And... Um, she is she colluded with CDC officials. She colluded with Dr. Marie McCormick from uh, Harvard University in order to cover up. They, they withheld information. They withheld data. They told the IOM committee that they would not rule that autism was a side effect of vaccines three years before they even considered autism and vaccines. Uh, so it was all predestined. It was all it, it was all put in to contractual language by the CDC who bought off the IOM to do that. And now we 
we have the same individuals re recycling the same individuals, and they're going to tell us what COVID-19 vaccine injuries are valid. Absolutely mm -hmm. horrible. Yeah. Absolutely awful. So as, as we gain more allies, interestingly enough, in the physician yes. and PhD community, uh, the question is, the diehards that insist that we must still worship the, these institutions like CDC, like Walensky seems to have no conscience at all. She just says, look, if you send us more money, we'll promise we'll do better. We'll reorganize. This won't happen again. Like, how many times do you keep going back to the same people? That I'm going to try to ask for a raise like that. I, yeah. I'm not doing very well, but if you give me more money, I'll do better. Yeah. I mean, every disaster, you insist the only thing that would correct this is more money, more freedom to do the same thing over and over and expect a different result. Uh, so, uh, you know, where do we go from here? You know, this is part of the parallel society. We, you know, we have uh, been participating in trying to create or outcreate these institutions. Part of when we were in Atlanta together at Lake Lanier for the Next Steps conference is, was about setting up a, a track that doesn't rely upon these institutions because they're so far from reform. We just got to withdraw consent and move on. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I, I loved being at the Next step next Steps conference. I, I, I had an um, infectious illness. <laughs> I did not quarantine. I think I breathed all over everybody during that, that, that particular conference. So, yeah. um, yes, I guess I, 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 I hope I did not spread my infectious illness, but I did wish I was sharing it broadly. Um, but, you know, the thing that was so good about that and so encouraging about that was it was creating our own institutions. It was creating our own infrastructure. And I really think that is what we need. That is, you know, it's so important. The The CDC has shown its ugly colors over, you know, to a greater audience over the past three years. And now people are craving for an alternative. They're craving for somebody that is the voice of reason that they can trust, that will give them good science, that is not giving them science based on what is going to line Pfizer's pockets. And um, and so, you know, this there the CDC has created this sort of power void mm -hmm. and the health freedom movement needs to move in there. We and and we are and there are people like Tia Severino who's to, who um, uh, organized the Next Steps conference that are facilitating this action and we're having this discussion and dialogues of being able to create new infrastructure, new institutions, you know, things that 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 approve themselves trustworthy. I don't, you know, I don't want people just to see my face, you know, see my ugly mug on on a webcast and say, oh, I trust you because, you know, you kind of have a nice haircut or whatever. I, yeah. you know, we need to be proven. We need to have proven track records of telling the truth of, you know, regardless of what the cost is. And then, you know, follow, go ahead and follow us. But but vet us, you know, this this whole idea of trusting the science. No, don't trust the science. Question everything that you come that comes out of my mouth. Yeah, that is how science advances. Brian, when you were going through school from your, you know, undergrad to graduate school, master's to Ph.D. level, was there ever a point where an instructor said, we just need to trust the science. This is part of your training. You just need as a PhD, you just got to trust the science. Was that ever part of the curricula? 
we would have laughed very, uh, very soundly and 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 very, very heartily. No, we we pummeled each other, <laughs> you know, in graduate school. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I, I worked for a research institution. Unfortunately, it was an institution funded by the government. But but even in that particular context, the way that science advanced was asking the hard questions. And and being able to say, you know, when when somebody came in and they had lots of NIH funding or whatever, and they had the sort of grandiose research, ask them the hard questions. Just ask them, you know, and and hold their feet to the fire. Nobody gets a pass. You know, Tony Fauci is not science. I'm sorry. He is not. Was there ever a person that was introduced to you during your Ph.D. level program that said, look to this guy, he's the science. <laughs> was that ever part of it either? I I don't, I, I, that never happened. I can safely say mm-hmm. that never, never happened. And no, nobody came into the room and they were science personified. I, and no. I ask that somewhat facetiously because look, PhD levels uh, is a smaller percentage, obviously of the broader sure. population on the planet. So it's a very right. small group and it's a club in a sense, your PhD. It is a club. Out everybody's got their own, you know, there's PhDs in a lot of different things, but still it's a small percentage. And I'm asking, you know, because I don't want to assume everybody knows about what the curricula involves. Maybe it is. Don't question the science. You know, of course I know it's not, and you know, it's not, but I I just wanted to be sure you can validate that. Not in graduate school. No, no, not, not whatsoever. And in, in, even with the, 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 the bloviating individuals with the bloated egos and, and, and I'll have to tell you a joke, you know, uh, how many how many PhDs does it take to uh, to screw in a light bulb? One. He holds the light bulb, and the world revolves around him. <laughs> so yeah, there are there are definitely egos involved. Sure. There are definitely bloated, you know, bloviated thinking. But mm-hmm. yet we pummel each other, and we have to pummel each other from a scientific perspective and i and i don't mean being vicious or being mean or or, oh, it, or being mean spirited um and and you know and where where i am in the world trying to publish in in scientific and medical literature that is diametrically opposed to everything that i'm trying to do mm-hmm. in terms of learning the truth about vaccines yeah. you know when i work with my associates in children's health defense and those that we're collaborating with in universities and other institutions across the world uh, we we pummel ourselves even harder because we know we will we we need to vet everything on the inside because the yeah. outside world is hostile. And that's the only way we're going to get scientific literature published. Yeah, you want it. I mean, that's the thing about a critique of papers. You're like, please yeah. give me every minutia, because when this thing goes out to the world in a publication, I want it to withstand that scrutiny. Nobody wants to have their paper retracted, but, you know, the bias in retracting papers uh, is fully engaged when it comes to anything that would link any chronic debilitating illness, including autism or autism spectrum disorders and vaccines or vaccines and anything negative because it's a religion. Now, under the COVID uh, few years, the mistake I believe they made among many, and someone would say, well, a lot of this was intentional, was to insist that they change the definition of vaccination to include mRNA injection because it's backfired uh, uh, just remarkably, uh, profoundly on them. If they had said, oh, no, no, this isn't a vaccine and, you know, had all the effects, of course, their goal was to convert all vaccines and, and still is to mRNA technology. Right. But with the disaster of, of uh, COVID jabs uh, becoming apparent to almost everybody, except with, you know, those that are, are sucking at the pharmaceutical teat, um, 
there's no way to defend it. So now it's you've lumped it into vaccines. And what I've seen happen, PhDs and MDs alike, looking back beyond COVID jabs and saying, my gosh, maybe I was lied to about all the other previous vaccines as well. And people like Peter McCullough have, you know, transitioned over the last few years since I first met him, even to that uh, assessment. Uh, so they have done it to themselves. The few percentages of us that were questioning vaccines, one or all of them, uh, were very were a very minor company. Now we have a vast majority of people that question one, many, or all. Uh, we couldn't have achieved that on our own. They did it to themselves. Absolutely, they overplayed their hand. And you know, you look at the mRNA technology, and you look at you know what could possibly go wrong with a gene technology when you when you put it into an organism that is is designed basically to read and uptake genetic material for its own sort of mutational survival, you know, and then you think what can go wrong, you know, I'd have to change that to what can't go wrong. I mean, we have to ask that question. And I really think that in terms of vaccine injury, we're only seeing the tip of the iceberg now because we do not know what happens, uh, you know, in in the developing child where the mother was pregnant and received a vaccine? We do not know what happened in individuals that were conceived from individuals who were vaccinated. When you look at the mRNA technology, the lipid nanoparticles did uh, hyperaccumulate in the sexual organs. So what's happening to germ cells? You really, really have to wonder, you know, are are they carrying the uh, DNA reverse transcribed from the messenger RNA to the spike protein. They've established that that can happen in human cells already, you know, and, and genetically we are adapted to identify genetic material and in some instances uptake genetic material. It's very, very difficult for your genes to differentiate what's human and what's non-human. And, and so, you know, none of these things were, were talked about. None of these things were thought about except for those individuals who wanted to squirt, who wanted to skirt around those regulations and who changed the definition of a gene therapy into a vaccine. Yeah. So here's a question for you, as we assessed earlier a little bit about the rate of autism percentage, one in what is it, 36 or 32? What one, was the One in 36. Yes. 36. All right. So we've been covering this. I've been on the air now. It's my 24th year broadcasting, and it wasn't one in 36 back then in 1999 when we started. And so we've seen the numbers climb. We've seen predictions like Stephanie Seneff predicting yeah. you know, one in two uh, eventually if this continues. Uh, so since the CDC says they don't know what causes it, except they know it's not the jabs or vaccines. Um, what would you, uh, if you're to make an argument or, or a hypothesis as to why suddenly now uh, children of, uh, of uh, what they call people of color, I don't know the politically correct way to say this, sure. black sure. children, whatever, uh, have now uh, caught up and surpassed in terms of percentage or frequency of autism. Is, is it the same old trope of uh, we, we diagnose it better? We didn't have access to diagnosing. Or is it now that fewer white families are getting the jabs because they're on to this and the black families didn't get the memo because they didn't see vaxxed from cover up to com catastrophe? I mean, what what would you assess is the real reason that it's accelerating in, in certain communities, subpopulations and not others? Well, I do think that there are physiological differences that need to be taken into account. 
And and we saw that with the cover up re regarding the the information from Dr. Bill Thompson. Uh, we we also have seen papers done by one and only Dr. Gregory Poland from the Mayo Clinic that show how uh, hyperimmunity will happen in African Americans to the rubella component to the MMR vaccine. Okay, that is a different in physiology, and that has never been accounted for. That's never lo been looked at at a one-size-fits-all vaccination uh, strategy or a vaccination program. I think the other thing that we're looking at is, is that, uh, you know, there are differences in vaccine uptake, and there is a very, very strong push to vaccinate underserved communities. If you look at the vaccines for children's pro children program, which costs $4 billion of our taxpayer money uh, administered by the CDC, then that is going and giving free vaccines to underserved communities, and so they can stay on schedule on the CDC schedule and a lot of, and there's a lot of coercion, you know, among circles like Medicaid uh, and in what we have in California, which is Medi-Cal, uh, to keep these uh, individuals on schedule, uh, uh, you know, and make sure that they're getting all of their jabs and it's only increasing. So I think that you're seeing a combination of those two things where okay. if you if you look at, if you look at whites, uh, and underserved communities, there is a difference in vaccination rates, but there is also a physiological difference and one size fits all just does not yeah. work. It's not Collect scientific. Collectivist medicine uh, it doesn't acknowledge and account for the unique uh, strengths and weaknesses metabolically and otherwise of individuals, whether they are from one so-called race or another is almost secondary to that individual acknowledgement and, and, and identifying what are your strengths and weaknesses? What are your metabolic capacities for detoxification? For instance, we've, we've talked many years over the controversies of MTHFR. I think that those things can be corrected because uh, gene, so-called gene mutations are the result of exposure to certain environmental toxins and or deficiencies in one lifetime and over a number of lifetimes. We talk about um, genetic predispositions or uh, what would we call it? Uh, inherited disorders, so to speak. I believe those are also epigenetic because they impact the gene expression prior to you getting here. But then they say you just inherited it, it's just genetic. Uh, but it denies the impact of the environment on gene expression, which includes, again, toxicity, deficiency, emotional issues, so many other factors. And when we talk about socioeconomic status as well, uh, whether you call underserved communities black or white, maybe vaccine uptake was lower in the past. If they're trying to catch them up, then that would be one explanation in my mind kind of what you hinted at uh, in increased diagnosis of autism spectrum disorders in those communities. Exactly. And, and, you know, I want to go back to, um, uh, you know, what you were talking about genetics and epigenetics, you, you know, it's not just a, oh, well, you inherited it from your parents and it would be nice. It would be very convenient if life was that binary and life was that simple. But but the, the nuances between genetics be, and epigenetics with environmental factors, not only environmental factors that affected you, but also affected your ancestors that will directly impact epigenetics, it's just not that simple. You cannot blame it on your genes and you cannot blame it on, you know, such and such an individual's genes, right. even though there's still that type of genetic, you know, here we are one in 36 children with autism, but there's still genetic reductionism. They're still looking for that one elusive autism gene. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they've got hundreds of candidates and they've thrown up their hands and said, we haven't found it yet.
Yeah. We, we haven't don't know found the genetic genetically. We think it's genetic, but it's not the vaccines. We know that, but you don't. Uh, also, think about the increase, as he said, in those populations that, you know, are part of this uh, discussion. Now it's an epi. Well, no, let me say that again. Now it's a genetic epidemic for them, too. Right. I remember those arguments. It's a genetic epidemic. It's like, well, there's no such thing. I mean, what 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 again, moron comes up with that idea? Is that a Ph.D.? I, I don't think so. No, it's a policy wonk. It, it is, you know, it, individuals at the CDC, at the FDA, at the National Institutes of Health, at the National Vaccine Injury Compensation Program and the Countermeasures Injury Compensation Program who do not want to relinquish government dollars in order to clean up their mess. And, you know, this is a cataclysmic mess. This is a mess of epic proportion, proportions that the world has never known before. Yeah. And yet, you, you know, the policy wonks do not care about the truth. They care about influencing human behavior. And so they will say whatever it takes in order to influence human behavior in the way that serves them the best, that will line their pockets, that will keep the corporatocracy going. And, and it's really, it, it, it's so, so unfortunate. You know, when you look at these 30, one in 36 children, over half of these children who are diagnosed with autism, it's not like the good doctor. You know, it's not that you're nerdy. It's not Bill Gates. Over half of these children will never be able to live independently in their lives. This is cataclysmic. This is this is horrific. And it's an economic disaster that, you know, it, when we look at the trajectory that Stephanie Seneff has said that we will be on if we if we reach one in two autistic children in 2032, we're right. She's right on target. She's yeah. absolutely right on target. Just amazing. By the way, if you're wondering where I am, if you're just tuning into the Robert Scott Bell Show today, we have a uh, professor, Dr. Brian Hooker, uh, joining us from the West Coast and uh, Super Don, although also on the West. They're not far apart, actually, relative nope. to where I am uh, right now in Virginia at the Barn at Loyalty outside of Leesburg, Virginia, for a very patriotic event. Uh, Jonathan Emort is uh, declared for the United States Senate, if you haven't figured that out, in Virginia to re replace uh, Tim Kaine. And uh, he's going to win. We're going to support him. I'm going to, I'm going to with him. If he needs me, I'm here and I'm here for that reason. And uh, I'll show you that we're, we're pre preparing, preparing for this event tonight and they've set up a stage. It's a beautiful stage. Let me just uh, turn this over. If you can see that. Oh my goodness. That Look is that. beautiful. And for those of you who don't know, Jonathan, you can check out emord4va.com, emord4va.com to support him. Even if you're not in Virginia, you can support the efforts here. Uh, and uh, we want and need desperately someone who knows uh, the Constitution for sure, but also knows the principles of individual liberty, health freedom, and, and medical freedom. And, uh, you know, on his platform, of course, you know, there, there shall be, there will be no mandates if he can do anything about it. He does understand, of course, the need for the separation of powers between the three branches of government that have been lost many, many years. In fact, through the progressive era in the 19th century to today, this is how this happened. He wrote a book on it called The Authoritarians. And what we're talking about is authoritarianism, and we don't support it, whether it comes from the left or the right, whether it comes from a Democrat or a Republican. And that's an important distinction. That's why I say for those of you who are Democrats who never consider voting for Republican, uh, it's hard to win a race as a libertarian anywhere. You understand that. So please don't be off put by an R instead of a D, although right now with the head of your D party is a real D. Uh, you might consider somebody else. Uh, and right now the head, well, let's say the, the, the senator from uh, Virginia, Kane, voted against the uh, the end of the uh, 
emergency on COVID. It's like, oh, this guy is coming. I don't know. Tone deaf is not even a way to describe it. Uh, so, uh, Brian, I want to ask you about the movie Spellers. We haven't seen it yet. I'm sure you're aware of it. We're going to have J.B. Handley on. We've had uh, uh, my friend April Bowden, and her son is featured in the film. Of course, your son is severely injured. I don't know if you've been able to encounter anybody working with this technique and technology of the Spellers uh, that we discussed before, but I'm encouraged by what I'm hearing. My son is a Speller, officially. He Wonderful. has been spelling for a year and a half now, and and it's very very similar to the story of uh, April Bowden um, of Jamie uh, Handley, um, it, you know, so many so many individuals across the country are are now we're unlocking what was within, we're lock unlocking the intelligence within, and it's so it's so encouraging. I you know my my son even in his first sessions when he was spelling. He was spelling words that I, I had no idea how to spell. And, you know, so he's been absorbing this information and yet un unable to communicate it because of so many motor deficits, you know, so many, so many problems with from ocular to uh, to fine motor to gross motor. Um, and now that we're breaking that down and, and, you know, I love the individuals that are, that are doing Elizabeth Vossler, uh, Don Marie Gavin, um, uh, on the West coast, um, you know, they have broken this down into a way to really, really unlock those kids. And when Spellers comes out, you have to see it. You absolutely have to see it. I was able to preview it. Um, I, I was, I did an interview with, uh, JB Handley and Jamie Handley, uh, it, it was, you're, you're going to love having them on your show. Yeah. And so I can't years. recommend it it's enough. Me. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that. I'm very encouraged, especially again, knowing the severity with which your son was injured, that he's gaining benefit in, in the ability to communicate. And it again, confirms the in, intelligence of these children who have been injured, extraordinary intelligence, uh, to far beyond our capacity to conceive or perceive of it. And even if moms had intuition about, it, or even dads in this case, but Seeing this manifest through this technique, I'm just thrilled to be able to promote this movie coming out and then talk to those folks who are benefiting uh, by this. So look forward to the Spellers movie. I don't know when Super Don, when is J.B. Handley scheduled for the show? Is that coming up soon? I, I, I'm not, I don't have privy to the, uh, the, the schedule right now here as I've been traveling. I hardly know where I am. <laughs> I'll check on that. Uh, yeah. Meanwhile, before Brian has to go here, there was a question in the chat from Susie B. asking if Dr. Hooker knows anything about pandas. Any comment on pandas? Any comment on pandas? You, you know, God bless you if your child does have pandas. It's pediatric autoimmune neuropsychiatric disorders associated with streptococcus. And so when children become infected with streptococcus, and many of them will get infected chronically with streptococcus, uh, you know, this would be streptococcus pyogenes or streptococcus pneumoniae, which cause strep throat. These are indigenous bacteria uh, you, you know, these would be considered endogenous infections. And these these children really, they react very, very strongly, behavioral changes, physiological changes when associated with strep. Um, I, I like natural remedies in order to do this. I would not use harsh antibiotics yeah, to do this. I know we, we big time use, of course, and you know about the silver hydrosol. We've been talking about it for years. Um, but in, and I know, Brian, you have to run. I don't want to hold you over. I would, but I don't want to because I don't want to make you mad at me. Uh, that would be a tragedy. Never. Uh, Never. I, you. I will continue the discussion on the pandas question in addition to what you've said here and how to address that. 
Okay. Okay. That sounds super. Where's the best place to see what you're up to? Is it the Children's Health Defense website or which site? The children's go to childrenshealthdefense.org. Um, and I will be at um, uh, the uh, We Are Patriots conference uh, on uh, at the very beginning of June in Boise, Idaho. Okay. And then there's a conference that's being uh, hosted. I can't remember the name of the conference. It's Stu and Terry Warner. Oh, yeah. Nashville at the end of um, uh, at March. At the end of April. April. Yeah, so we'll be there. I'm going to be calling uh, Brian Fester to see if I can confirm coming up to the Boise event. Oh, that would be so sweet if you were if you were in Boise. So good. Yeah. Um, So so, no, I I I would look forward to that. I have a book coming out um, this summer with Bobby Kennedy called Vax Unvax. What does Mm -hmm. the science say? And uh, so look for that as well. I want to talk to you about more about Bobby Kennedy if we can't get him on soon as well. Uh, because I know you've worked with them. There's some fascinating things happening in this time frame. And God bless you, Brian Hooker. Love you and appreciate you. Can't wait to see you at an event. Uh, We've got some coming up. We'll be together. So thank you, my brother. Awesome. God bless you too, Robert. Thank you so much. All right. That's Dr. Brian Hooker here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. He's got to go teach kids. Those proverbial young, what do they call them? Skulls full of mush? What is that? That was a horrible thing to say. I remember that. Uh, but uh, Super D, again, great, great appearance by Dr. Brian Hooker. We've got uh, hour two coming up shortly. I've got some questions today I got to get to as well. But, uh, well, the great big somethings of Michael Bolden coming up from the 10th Amendment Center. Yeah, we never we never settled on it. So whatever. It's just it's Michael Bolden. It's Michael Bolden. Yeah. We don't need a fanfare. Well, I'm we do have a yeah. well, Actually, we do need a fanfare. Do. But people love him. My mom loves him. We don't need to reinvent the wheel here. Yeah. So uh, we got that coming up. So the pandas thing, the strep, unfortunately, as, as Brian Hooker referenced with the strep, they often put these children on heavy dose antibiotics and they do see some improvement, but it belies the, the, the downward spiral over time as you destroy the microflora, the microbiome, and the, uh, you, you result in other opportunistics that end up making things worse over time. So utilizing something like bioactive silver hydrosol to neutralize strep without compromising bio, uh, biodiversity is a distinct difference. And I would hope that the physicians are learning about this more than they're not uh, to break that cycle with people, you know, seeing this manifestation of psychiatric disorders with strep. Uh, We can neutralize it. We can also use homeopathic remedies, streptococcus bacteria converted into homeopathic uh, is also helpful in these circumstances, but clearing the terrain, restoring integrity of the terrain is everything. All right, questions of the day. I think we got a couple of them. Uh, one is about silver. So it's, it's timely uh, because I just mentioned silver. This is from Jared. Uh, uh, one ounce or six teaspoons sounds like a lot of silver to take at once. The dosage on the bottles I've seen say one teaspoon seven times a day for short-term immune support. Now, yeah, you're probably looking at a bottle of sovereign silver. And yes, at the uh, uh, rate for an average adult, one teaspoon seven times a day stays below the 350 microgram level as established by the US EPA and the World Health Organization. Not fans of either, but hey, there's some science that they get right. And in this sense, uh, that you stay within that normal ingestion cycle, you could do seven teaspoons a day technically for the next 70 years. It wouldn't have to be just short immune, but the idea of calling it short immune burst is because you're just hitting something really hard, really fast, and you're done. So you don't need to continue at that level for a long period of time. Uh, if you want to take it once, all at once, one ounce of silver, of remember, this is a 10 ppm bioactive silver hydrosol I'm referring to. If you say, doesn't that sound like a lot of silver to take? Yeah, if you're taking a 250 part per million uh, colloidal silver protein, 
that first teaspoon exceeds the critical dose of, I believe it's 1,350 micrograms. So, you know, yes, you can say that's a lot, but it's not about the ounces of the water that it comes in. It's about how much silver is in that total content of water. And so it would be different for each level. And that's an important distinction to make, Jared. So again, I'm, I'm, I appreciate you writing in on that. Uh, let's see, is it safe to take them? Into, is three teaspoons of silver too much for people under 40 pounds? Um, well, again, if it's the bioactive silver hydrosol at 10 ppm, I've done that with my children. I've done higher dosing with my children. Uh, but I can't speak for homemade silver. I can't speak for higher concentrations that I haven't needed to go to in those cases. Uh, so if you want to look at the dosage guidelines for pets, there is weight-based dosage guidelines on the sovereign silver product for pets. So you can extrapolate out that to humans, right? Our kids are like our pets some days, you know, so you can understand that. Uh, in the children's label, it's labeled for four years of age and up because that's just a regulation from the FDA. And regulation doesn't necessarily meet reality because silver is a normal constituent of human breast milk, as well as all cow milk and goat milk and everything like that. So it's a normal occurrence. We ingest it from the day we're born. So uh, I would say, uh, let's see, one and a half to five years and under, should we give them 1.5 teaspoon three times a day instead? Again, I don't know what you're addressing, Jared. You need to give me more information. Is it an acute infection? Or is it a chronic issue? What's going on? And I would say, you know, taking less at a time, but the same frequency would be more efficient than trying to do larger doses less frequently. So get back to me, Jared, on that. We'll follow up on a future show. By the way, JB Handley is coming on board April the 7th, the April 7th show. Uh, all right, I'm going to put this question of the day out and then we're going to take a, a quick break, top of the hour. And then we'll have Michael Bolden from the 10th Amendment Center joining us an hour or two heading into the weekend. Uh, this is from Jean or Jean, Jeannie. Uh, can you recommend a good naturopathic or functional medicine doctor in the Columbus area? Col Columbus what? Superdon, is it Columbus, Ohio? That's my guess. I'm assuming so. Yeah, yeah there's a lot of Columbuses. Almost every state has a Columbus, but uh, the most, I think the most prevalent one, and this is not to offend anybody from a different Columbus, is <laughs> Ohio. Uh, uh, I would say I would reach out to... Um, Michelle Cotterman, who's a nurse there, her husband now, they opened a restaurant in the Columbus, Ohio area, which I can't wait to visit. I'm hoping to be there in July for the Maho event. Uh, but uh, I, I would reach out to Michelle and see if she knows of somebody. There's great health freedom friends, Nadra from the health freedom there in, in Ohio. They may know, they likely do know. In fact, I remember lecturing at an event there in Columbus, Ohio with a medical or a physician of some type, a DO or MD, who was integrative. And I just don't recall the name of that person. So I would have to reach out uh, to Michelle or some of my friends in Columbus, Ohio. Maybe Dr. Ravi Kulasekara knows. We can reach out to Dr. Ravi. He's up closer to Cleveland, but he's traveled up and down Ohio. And may maybe he knows some of the people in that area. And by the way, if you're willing to get help from someone as awesome as Dr. Ravi up in Cleveland, even if you're Columbus, you will be greatly benefited by his uh, incredible intelligence and uh, great humor, too. We enjoy Dr. Ravi. So... Super Don, that's my answer for now. We'll have to revisit that. Okay. okay. Sounds like a plan. Are you ready to go and nullify everything? Personally? Yeah. I've been doing that for a long time. You know. have? Okay. Are you bragging? Because we got the guy that nullifies everything. Yes. I'm on next. I don't know if you're going to hold a candle to that. 
I can't. I can't. I wouldn't even try. We're gonna try. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even try. I'd probably hurt myself. I've tried in a little way, a little bit of a ways. I've got some good news uh, from the State Department. Weirdly enough, I'm gonna share that with you as well, and uh, we'll talk to Michael Bolden about what he thinks of that. I have no idea what he wants to talk about, but we do have some 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 things we can just kind of riff on. I'll, I'll okay. throw in the mix there if we if we want. All right. Well, you still have time. Two hours before we begin. The wonderful event here in uh, the the Oak Barn at Loyalty outside of Leesburg, historic Leesburg, Virginia. Uh, and I'm just going to hold this up so you guys can see what we're doing here. Um, there's the stage for later. Emord4va.com if you want to check it out. And we're ha- we're making some waves here and having a good time while we're doing it. So thank you all for considering joining us. In, uh, but that's going to start like an hour after the broadcast today. And with that, we're going to take a quick top of the hour education break and be back with Michael Bolden from the 10th Amendment Center because the power to heal, even politically, is yours. I'm thinking I, 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 I'm sore already. My, my shoulders are sore. I'm like, am I holding myself tight because it's cold? It is a bit chilly. It's in the 50s here, and I'm not really layered up like normal, but uh, we're having a great broadcast here at the Oak Barn at Loyalty in Virginia outside of Leesburg. Uh, Super Down making it sound so good. We had Brian Hooker on an hour uh, one, hour two, our, uh, I guess, semi-weekly, bi-weekly. I can't figure it out. I think it's bi-weekly uh, visits from uh, Michael Bolden coming up shortly. Uh, but I think it was what I did today, Super D. I went to a nine round. I went and got my workout. Yes, I'm fasting as well. Well, that it would explain good. you being sore. That yeah, makes sense. I did some some extra stuff at the end with uh, some of the uh, the weights that they have there. And I'm like, oh, yeah, no, I did that exercise. I feel that. Uh, but overall, uh, doing okay. Just uh, need to uh, fuel the furnace. That's the thing about fasting. Uh, it's easier to get cold. This is what I found. Because you're really utilizing your body's reserves as well. And I don't have a lot of layers to begin with. Uh, so uh, I'll be breaking the fast probably after the event. Don't tonight. really have any blubber going on there to keep you warm. <laughs> yeah, blubber <laughs> is not me so much. Um, uh, we'll, uh, I will say that tomorrow um, I'm very excited for some warmth and sunshine. Uh, heading down to Clearwater Beach, Florida with our friends at Nutritional Frontiers, Jamie Dorley and the gang. We're going to see Tracy Straup, Joe Messino, Judy Mikovits, and more. And they have, uh, it's sold out, but they have a streaming option. So if you guys want to see what's going on there starting, they're actually starting today, but uh, I'm going to be flying in tomorrow morning and catching it in progress. Uh, this is the Mind, Body, Soul Restoration. If you don't know Nutritional Frontiers, they have an amazing products, very validated uh, I've been doing the inner DMG regularly to respond to the exposure to glyphosate. Even on an organic diet, we can't fully engage a, a glyphosate-free lifestyle as much as we'd like to. And that inner DMG is wonderful for the immune system and so many other fee- functions. They have a 15% off deal. And I think today is the last day, yep. uh, March. So you use the RSP 15 code to get an additional 15% off of the uh, the inner DMG and the other products that are on sale, including the Air Max. I think the different things for... Um, allergies, breathing as well. And the inner DMG also comes as a liquid. I think traveling with it as I do, it's easier in a lozenge form. Also, a uh, shout out to, oh, look at this. More, I forgot that there's also this yeah. here. They extended their St. Patrick's Day sale. Okay, look at that. Proline uh, Greens is very popular. Yeah. The power cleanse as well. 
Um, these are great products, 20% off cases. So if you're going for it, use the RSB 15 code. I've tried it. It works. I've ordered stuff with the RSB 15 code. Get You get deals on even sale items. Uh, also, uh, Folium PX, our friend Folium uh, Products from Babri. Uh, Super Don, did you go over that uh, interview with this for this Sunday? It's going to be fantastic. A mother-daughter, the daughter was injured by the HPV shot, and the doctors weren't helping, and she found the Folium. And it's a, it's an, a, it's a very powerful, uplifting story. So if you know anybody injured uh, by these jabs, uh, the Folium products may be of great assist. Uh, so for Sunday, that's the plan. That that is the plan, and you were asking about the length of it. So it's about forty, just under forty-two minutes long. Okay, so I I want to get it up a fourteen additional minutes. Correct. I'll, I'll add some content to that. Uh, okay. So it will be all new for Sunday's broadcast, y'all. We've oh, been doing by that. The way, yes. What do you see? What do you see? I got this in the mail today. What do you get? What do you get? Oh, you got the new. It's, it's the, the new, new uh, the new formulation of the Cardio Miracle. Sweet. And this it's is in a the, new container. They used to be black containers, and now, yeah, now it's white. white. Okay. Yep. And when you look at the uh, the ingredients here, it's now got the stevia and the monk fruit blend in it. Yeah, organic stevia. I haven't monk tried it blend. yet because I had already made my cardio miracle this morning with with one of the, the actually one of the travel packs. Yeah, uh, I did as well. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I'm excited That's to see great. what that tastes. Yeah, I got to try it out, and that'll be available as well at the uh, Be Healthy Utah event. And if I have anything to say about it, I'll bring some to what is the um, the one up in uh, Boise, Idaho that Brian Fest is putting on. We the Patriots. We, we the Patriots. Yep. Let's see if I can get it up there for that as well. And uh, y'all try it. It's amazing. Uh, for those of you who have been holding out because of that one ingredient, uh, it's it's out now. So they're shipping all of the new stuff with organic stevia and monk fruit as a sweetener. So that's great news. Yep. Uh, also, Trinity School of Natural Health, every month they start up new coursework, and uh, it's a big startup uh, coming up uh, early April. Uh, so if you guys want to check that out, trinityschool.org, trinityschool.org, and of course, the upcoming events tab, all the events that we may mention a little bit later in the show, because I, I don't want to belabor any discussion of anything else, but what to call the hour with, well, Michael Bolden. <laughs> <laughs> And and he's got he's never has anything to say that we're interested. No, in. he doesn't. But before he can come on, we got to do this. Bolden, Mike Bolden. There he is. There he is, my friend, the mannequin, the man. No, not the mannequin. There he's waving to us. Looks like they've got the animatronics working again, Michael Bolden. Hey. I'm afraid to speak and to find out if I have to reload my browser. No, the only thing. So far, ask, so good. Only thing I would ask you to do is tilt your camera down so there's not as much headroom. Other than that, it sounds what? great. Yeah. Makes me look like I'm in a mess. You're looking up at me now. So. We love looking up your nose, my friend. That's just what we live for. <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys want to talk about? This is awesome. Well, partly just to catch up, my friend, and and, and hopefully get to see you someday so soon. I, I know you don't get out much, and most people come visit you. Um, but, uh, you know, just want to make sure you avoid the snow melt floods where you are. I'm avoiding all of them. Especially on a bicycle, man, they can they can sweep you away. 
and I know you've been getting some rain. I'm gonna, get out, I'm gonna get out this afternoon for sure. Hey, Michael, it's turn your turn your turn your audio up, can you? From there up to up. us. You're pretty low you for understand? some reason. You have a knob you can turn. I do. Yay. How about oh, that? Yay. Yeah, there's Michael Gordon. <laughs> there's the bold Bolden we know and love. Anyway, it was great to see Brian Hooker on last hour. You've met Brian at some events over the years, haven't you? Oh, yeah, yeah, I don't actually think I've met him in person. Okay, well, no, he he's he's one. Of but us. I feel like right. it half the times with uh, friends of yours that I have not met in person, I feel like I have anyway. Yeah. No, and the thing is, because I've seen him so many times on the show. But you know, the thing is, for the most part, with rare exception, there's a great affection among all of us that uh, because we have love of freedom in common most of us that you know if i have people on this show regularly especially they're going to be friends of mine they're going to have that freedom gene for lack of a better way to say it running through them or we're all just ready for a mammoth balls uh, mm. like feast oh yeah the mammoth balls yes i figured of all the people that wanted one of those it'd be michael <laughs> i'm just curious how large they are well the, the, um, the manufactured ones were like like horrible because they're like they had to be from baby mammoths i mean how cruel was that they were kind of small yeah, and hairy how huge yeah. are they yeah i mean the the, the the adult ones are probably bigger than your head but still <laughs> i just i just i'm not a, i'm not it just doesn't appeal to me i don't know what do you remember think about this that? is we're the, closing this out for fridays i'm a food yeah. would i eat a um would you be not necessarily would i eat a jurassic park style recreated extinct yeah. creature meatball yeah i don't know man would you? Would, i mean you come on now no, hold on hold on robert hold on, hold on. Yeah. i sense yeah i sense some conflict that he might yeah there is in his voice I, there there actually is <laughs> his conflict <laughs> because i've been on this kind of search to see if i can find something that i don't enjoy eating Mm -hmm. Even if, you know, like the flavor, flavor wise. So right. that sounds pretty disgusting to me. I have a feeling I'd take a bite something just to you, say I did it. So, so you're looking for something that you, you wouldn't like. You're saying, and I, maybe I try that to say. And I've been failing. I've been failing. I mean, I avoid most foods so out there anyway. So what, so what you're saying is that you would take a bite of the mammoth meatball mm -hmm. Because you want to find out if you like it or not. Yeah. Because you, really you anticipate that you may like it because you haven't found something that you don't like. Yeah, that might be it. Well, I don't and that remember. doesn't mean, actually, that's probably the opposite of being a foodie because it looks like I have no standards whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> You're adventurous. I don't yeah, know. Maybe I, that's I consider it. you a foodie because we, we do appreciate good food, even if it's unusual uh, and, and have a good time doing it. Uh, I just I don't recall if if you've had uh, durian from Thailand yet. No, I haven't. Okay, so mm. that's you know about that. That's the stuff that looks. But I've had tons of I've had tons of jackfruit. Yeah, I know, it, but it looks like jackfruit from uh, the outside. You know what? More dangerous. Speaking yeah. of jackfruit, I got a uh, an email mm -hmm. from Mike and Diane uh, about jackfruit today this okay. morning, and they said we love jackfruit. Here, let me get rid of the graphic here. Okay. Uh, we love jackfruit. What really astonished me is that they grow in trees. And I'm, I didn't yeah. actually, I hadn't even looked into that. How the heck does one of those things, what kind of yeah. a tree could, could hold one of those things? Yeah. And, and could, I would not want to walk under it. I can tell you. 
No, that'll uh, kill you. That, that would, yeah. Just like, just like durian. It'll kill you if it drops on your head. They say they're, they're the size of a gigantic watermelon. That has to be one strong tree. Uh, we first tried it on one of our trips to Hawaii. We just wanted to try new things. We were told that that that, that is where the taste of juicy fruit comes from. Remember juicy fruit? The, yeah, the, the gum. Everybody loved the juicy fruit, right? Uh, it says, I currently yeah. use it to flavor the kombucha that we make. Next time you visit your health food store that has the produce section, that would be the Sherm's Thunderbird, which is actually a big grocery store that mm-hmm. has a, just a great health section. Uh, she's recommended that I grab it. Now, now I would not grab it because it would hurt if I grabbed it. <laughs> With gloves. Yes. Uh, she yeah. says, or they say, you can even boil the seeds. You peel them. They taste like a cross between a bean and a potato. Wow. Smell the jackfruit and go for the more yellow color versus the pale. I would assume they have cut sections of it, which they do most of the time. Yeah. And you wouldn't have to buy the whole thing. Yum, they say. High in fiber, too. High in fiber for anyone's concerned about digestive issues. Ah, yes. Mm -hmm. Moving on out. So uh, would we be able to get jackfruit in a uh, dragnet of surveillance smart city? You think this is interesting? This is an article from the Defender, and I, you know, I've heard people talking about the smart cities, and I, I was curious, Bolt, Michael, it, what you're familiar with what these smart cities are? I indeed am very familiar with so what kinds of surveillance this? things. Apparently, this is a thing, huh? Well, I smart city is probably just more of a a, a marketing tool. Electronic Frontier Foundation, which is EFF.org, is probably the best organization out there when it comes to just surveillance issues uh, and they published something called the atlas of surveillance the various ways uh, that they are kind of spying on you in a more granular level we often think of spying just being like the nsa or the fbi or the dhs or ice or all these federal agencies but a lot of the more kind of minutia detail surveillance are done on a local level And when you're talking about that in combination with smart cities, for example, you can talk about things like, and I used to have one outside a a bedroom window when I lived in downtown Los Angeles. I had a a smart LED light that actually had a two-way receiving microphone and speaker on it and cameras and things like that. And smart cities would have things like- um, What was uh, the purpose of that? You had one- Probably, Probably to stop global warming. This was something that was owned by the city, you mean, that they had installed oh, yeah, yeah. or something? Oh. Yeah, yeah. They're all – and San Diego is actually one of the worst offenders on these things. There's a combination of uh, smart LED uh, lights. There's also something called Shot Spotter where they put out on uh, the street poles, which is an audio surveillance tool to supposedly protect you against gun violence. Uh, but really, it's just listening in on everybody. They stopped the bullets, it's, you mean? Like if somebody. Uh, exactly. Oh, exactly. How? What do they really do? Yeah. Right. They, actually, I think it was like it was a, a speaker system that first it would receive the wave of a shot, you know, like a, yes. a bullet, and it would go, "Hey, don't do that," and then you'd go on your way. That was what it would say. <laughs> but they also catch like backfires of vehicles, which you don't have as much as when we were kids. Right. Uh, and they send cops out there, but it really is a, a way to monitor people. So whether it's uh, smart LED lights or smart red light cameras or uh, drones hovering around everybody or things like facial recognition or even like things like the Amazon Ring 
uh, door privacy. These are tools. They feed that information into police uh, on a local level, supposedly to protect you. But soon as you access information or share information with local police, it goes into a national surveillance network through things called fusion centers. There's about 70 of those around the country. They're state and federal partnerships to collect data and pass it around. And something else called ISE, which is information sharing environment, which came out of the Patriot Act uh, post 9-11. And this is just a way for, for example, let's say you go through a uh, automated license plate reader on a toll highway somewhere, and they're tracking your license plate at about 800 plus licenses per minute that they can collect accurately. Well, they collect and they not only know where it is, some of them have facial recognition, so they know who the passenger is, but they keep that data and they come up with a whole way of tracking everywhere you go. And think of how that's been used, for example, uh, geofence warrants against uh, the church in Northern California. I don't know if you guys covered this at all, but there was a church here in Northern California that broke the uh, COVID lockdown rules. And so they, what they did was they used automated license plate readers and something called geofence warrants where they can mm -hmm. go to a, a phone or a, a map provider and say, tell us everybody who is in this region at, between certain hours on a certain date. And they use this for the January 6th thing. People who had nothing to do with uh, what went down on January 6th, whether you love or hate the thing. But the point is, if they're investigating, people are getting visits from the Secret Service, the FBI, because they happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. It's really flipping the idea of a warrant based on probable cause and particularly describing the person, place, etc., cetera, uh, flipping it on its head. So you can be guilty for the crime of driving, for maybe be having your bedroom window in front of an LED light, a street light, and things like that. Now, how but common a, are these things, though? I mean, it's it's is this just stuff that they just put in there and you just don't know it's there? Or, I mean, usually, they're, they're talking yes. about smart cities. So is this like... Yes. Okay. A lot of times it is actually unknown. Now, California, a couple of years ago, passed a very unique kind of, not necessarily an anti-surveillance law, but basically what it did... Because what was recognized, there's some actually really good pro-privacy activists here in California, better than most places, surprisingly. And they work to get this thing passed because what happens is a lot of times these things are funded through federal grant programs. We see the same type of thing happening with the CDC uh, and HHS. They want to force a, a vaccine requirement on people. They're just going to fund the local school district to do it. There is no oversight. There's no community involvement, no nothing. All of a sudden, Sudden it shows up and everyone's required to do this. The same thing happens with surveillance tools. A lot of times local law enforcement will get a grant from the FBI or a joint terrorism task force or the DEA or the ATF. And they'll say, well, we're just doing this to stop uh, gun violence. We're doing this to deal with the war on right. drugs. And so therefore we need to have all of these streetlights have cameras on it, or we want shot detection. And the, the, Activity goes directly from the grant money to the local law enforcement. There's no oversight. The community only finds out about it 
after the fact. My great buddy, Mike Meharry, who's worked with me for so long, uh, he had the same type of situation when he lived in Lexington, Kentucky. All of a sudden, he started seeing at local skate parks and things like that. If his kids would be visiting or he'd spend time in the neighborhood, he started seeing all these cameras all over the place. Well, it turned out it was a federal grant and they just put it in quietly and no one knew about it till after the fact. So the law that I mentioned here in California, anytime they want to add any type of surveillance thing, no matter who pays for it, they're at least has to be a local community hearing about it. And we know that it actually had, I was kind of like, I don't know how this is going to play out. Maybe it'll give the local communities a chance to stop some of this stuff. Well, in San Francisco, just this last fall, they tried to uh, get some federal grant funds to start implementing and using these, I guess we could call them military robot dogs. They were going to start running these around the Bay Area. And because this kind of fell under the local approval process, it got the word out to the activists and they made so much noise about it that they at least got it delayed. So it allows the people a chance to get a foot in the door. So the long answer to your very basic question, very straightforward <laughs> question, Super Don, is, well, the reason this happens is because they generally just implement the stuff. I see someone commenting about this in uh, Detroit. Uh, for example, there's all kinds of facial recognition cameras that went up around Detroit without community involvement as well. And so you see all kinds of really nasty surveillance happening. And let's say some people, I, I hear the argument like, oh, things are so bad, you got to be able to help get the bad guys. But if you can't imagine how someone who hates your freedom could use this in the future, just like what we saw with the previous lockdown in the church up in the Bay Area. Mm. Well, it doesn't take a lot of creative thinking to, to go with very big brother Orwellian stuff with mm. this stuff. And in Marge's comment there, she mentioned something called a 15-minute city. I've, I've seen this talked about and stuff like that. What exactly is a 15-minute city? What does I that don't mean? actually know the term, but Robert, I you, haven't you know, heard you're, the you're term. familiar with this, right? It, it's interchangeable from Smart City 15. You'll find out they're just using or, or like trial ballooning okay. different ways to describe the same thing. But I mean, it's 15 minutes. So what does that refer to exactly? That you can like everything I, I, you can walk to is within 15 minutes. So I mean, anything you possibly could need or want, you can yeah. reach in 15 minutes. What walking time, driving time? I guess I'm or something worried, like but that. I don't think these 15 minute cities or smart cities are inclusive of independently owned cars of any kind. Oh, so there would be yeah, no car. Yeah, I haven't actually. That, okay, I actually right. haven't. That's heard why that. it would be a fifteen-minute city. You would need a car because you could you could get whatever you want in walking time in fifteen minutes. Yeah, and I think. Yeah, I mean, I like the concept of that because, of course, if you're out walking for fifteen minutes, that's healthy. The more that you walk, the better healthier. Yeah, but it's be not a voluntary better. thing, right? I mean, right, this would and if be it's a, not a voluntary thing, or they're creating an environment where it becomes physically impossible then think of how a, a lockdown scenario might work because you don't even have access and you're trapped to get, basically uh, they go that. you yes. don't need a car yes. you don't need a, what do you need a car for right you know, whatever you need is just 15 minutes away and we've provided this for you because we're the government and we're taking care of you well we want things to be fun <laughs> easy and convenient and and the, uh, the other uh, critical let's say factor for a successful 15 minute city according to what i've read is digital currency and digital ID because it, it's a total control scenario where uh, mm. you, you don't have to carry cash with, you know, all how it's sold, right? Convenience, convenience, convenience. But the opposite side of that is we, we saw your social media post. Uh, we also noticed that you haven't gotten your, you know, the next booster. Um, so suddenly your digital cash, which is not cash is, is turned off. 
or and, you're or you're yeah. fined, right? They'll just take it right out of there. Oh, or you've been fined. Right out, uh, yeah. Well, the the Chinese implementation, whether it was a a test run or not, was basically expiring mm -hmm. uh, central bank digital currencies. So it's basically uh, it punishes you for saving. So it, let's say you have a a one year, a one month, or one day expiration date on your paycheck. It's either spend it or lose it. Or lose yeah. it. That's crazy. Amazing. I mean, yeah. the, the notion of fiat money and the way that they manipulate the interest rates through the unconstitutional Federal Reserve discourages savings because they want to keep us dependent on the central state. The less that people save, the less that they take care of themselves, the more that they have to rely on outside entities, especially in cases of emergencies, real or pretended. So they're more apt to do that. So if you actually really, really encourage people to stop saving, stop uh, planning for the future, then certainly you're going to find a population much more compliant, much more willing to just be obedient and dependent on government. So how do we stop it? Again, the big question people ask is like, you know, that, that's always the big one. Of course, for me, it's, yeah. it it's comes down to the N word nullification and uh, you know, yeah. not participating at any level. And, you know, I talked about uh, as we weave this subject in, I wanted to bring about and Super Don, did I send you that link to the uh, State Department's website on passport uh, renewal or passport applications? Might have been a it might have been a text a while back, uh, but um, uh, this, are you talking about the change that they made? Yeah. And, and I've told yeah. the story some years ago when we went to uh, apply for a renewal for our, our, our daughter who had already had a passport, as does my son. They, they don't have birth certificates. They don't have social security numbers, just so you know. And we applied for a renewal. And this was after Congress and its brilliance said, hey, you know what? We're going to mandate now that you have to have a social security number to get a renewal or a passport because we want to catch tax scoff laws or people who are, are behind on, on uh, what is it called? Child custody payments. What are they called? Uh, child, child support. support payments, right? Yeah. So it's always sold as a, well, this is for everybody's benefit to do this. And so suddenly they denied my daughter's uh, passport renewal. Hmm. And we had fought years ago to, you know, without a birth certificate and, and, and social security number to get that for my kids. And we had followed the law to a T. In other words, uh, we had to, push back on the personnel of the state department and local passport agencies because no one had ever done that or very few people say so i weren't even used to doing doing it so i had to dig deep on statutes and stuff and push 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 and initially we had used years ago when we first did this for my son uh, we actually had a congressman involved in helping us when we were back in atlanta in the day and that helped move things along so we we actually had someone that was representative and, and said you know what i'm going to push forward because this is an issue of religious freedom why because for me it's a religious uh perspective that i have or spiritual belief however you want to define it that that number is beastly and i did not want to provide that give that to my children uh and never use it again for for me and my wife and so we um, were told that, well, if you sign this document, which had no, what they call an OMB number, do you know that, mm -hmm. that term OMB, Office of Management and Budget? It's kind of control number. It's an official document, right? And, and they handed me this thing, which was like an affidavit signed under penalty of perjury that you've never had uh, a number assigned to you. Now, we've never had that for our children, of course. And so I could have signed it, but I realized that this would be a trap 
because many people now realize that they don't have to, or it's not required to have or use their social security number to live in and work in America. Never has been. And it's a, it's a foreign concept to hear that for many people uh, because it's been embedded into our American DNA under the progressive era and, you know, the passage of the Federal Reserve Act of 1913, then the 16th Amendment, all of that that led to this. So we pushed back and said, you know what, we're not signing that because this is a trap. And I know it's a trap. It's not an OMB controlled number. It's not an official document. And and we wrote extensively on that and they refused and rejected. They didn't even read what we sent them. So this stimulated other people that I know, including one pastor, David Allen Carmichael, who I think I've had on the show once and I'd like to get him on again to follow up on this and to push back in a a non-attorney filed suit against the State Department for violating the religious freedom of us and many others that believe the way I do. And it was a dog fight, you know, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, but they couldn't ignore the pushback on First Amendment, religious freedom, religious freedom restoration act grounds. And as of February, I believe of this year, you now see the transformation in Superdon. You can go, yeah, there you go, look at this. So my daughter instigated this with what happened to her. She's not, her name's not on any of this in the suit she's not involved in, but it's all that we learned from what we happened to us stimulated this action. And now it says how to request a religious accommodation. Now, this hasn't been done on the actual passport application, and that's the next phase of pushing back because the government is trying to, um, has already said we've uh, dismissed the case for no cause anymore because we've changed this on the website. Yet they have not changed the actual application. But here you see how to request a religious ob- uh, accommodation. You may submit a request for religious accommodation with an application for the U.S. passport. Religious accommodation is a change to a specific requirement of the application process, which allows you to practice your religious beliefs. If you would like to request religious accommodation, you must submit a signed statement on standard paper uh, and uh, with your application, which includes an explanation of how and why your religious beliefs make it difficult for you to complete a specific requirement of the application process statement dealing with your uh, detailing your religious activity or exercise and how it connects to your religious belief and if you're requesting religious accommodation your application must be signed and include the following items and so you know basic stuff there so we did that in fact before they had published this because we had learned uh, this case was moving forward and i don't know michael if this is of interest to you i think it's kind of cool of a little the littlest of of americans uh pushing back uh, even through the legal system and forcing them to do what is required of them constitutionally. And so um, we filed it, including for my wife and I, and we're able to succeed in our passports and passport cards miraculously appeared with no SSN uh, requirement based on our religious beliefs. So uh, it's a significant thing, I think, in terms of the concept of nullification may be applied differently, is that I'm not going to comply with what they claim they ha- they're requiring, because I don't believe it's lawful or correct or right in any way. And I have a belief system that, you know, this violates and you can uh, uh, accommodate me without the the crumbling of the entire bureaucracy, which I wouldn't mind if most of it (laughs) crumbled. Uh, So uh, this is a great news story and it's still ongoing. And I'll have David Allen Carmichael, a pastor who initiated this uh, suit. And he's not a lawyer, but he did extraordinary work here and I'm grateful for him. And, you know, the next thing he says he's working on as well is how do you access the banking system without what's the accommodation they will provide for on a religious freedom basis without a number as well. 
So wouldn't Michael, you rather well, not access the banking system, though? Yeah, I agree uh, in that sense, and that's what we're trying to do. You know, by using goldbacks and other things. Yeah. I guess the the question is, if you perceive that the banking system will always be here and you're locked out of any interaction with the uh, economic yes. environment, that you might push for that. And I understand why, but yeah, to your point, that's a good point as well. But anyway, I mean, I'm in the banking system. It's yeah. almost impossible to do day to day business. Mm-hmm. in a fluid, effective, efficient way that's profitable outside yeah. the banking system. So what exactly. I've been actually encouraging uh, people who actually want out, I mean, of course, we could talk about CBDCs, yeah. but unfortunately, what I see a lot of times, uh, many people who would be, you'd think are going to be friends of liberty who want to oppose a central bank digital currency where they can turn off your ability to pay based on, well, you said the wrong thing in the wrong place, whatever. I yeah. mean- Theoretically, and I think more and more those of us who are looking at these things, instead of saying, oh, that's too crazy, that's way down the line. I think we are now being a little bit smarter about this, Mm -hmm. Uh, recognizing that you give them the detestable precedent is what the founders would call this type of thing. Once you give them the precedent to do something, someone eventually is going to do that thing. So uh, we also don't want to take the position on, for example, on central bank digital currencies. Opposition to central bank digital currency isn't the same thing as supporting the U.S. dollar. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, I think a lot of people who are recognizing the dangers of the CBDC are now all of a sudden doing what government loves doing. They give you two false options, one bad Mm -hmm. and one based on the bad that's even worse. So one fiat currency that funds the largest government in history And all their programs, all their surveillance, all their gun control, their CDC, their HHS, uh, the ATF, all of it is the U.S. dollar. That is the tool that shouldn't exist. And the detestable precedent is supporting that. And, of course, they're going to make it worse. So we have to look at other things. And I know you mentioned gold back. So what I encourage people to do is, well, if you have to just for existence, use the system as it is, do that. But also at the same time, start building a network of people and businesses that you can do conduct business with in actual real sound money, gold, silver, gold backs, yeah. et cetera. Well, and that's a process of, uh, I guess, some le- some level of nullification by doing that. Of course. Uh, and it's not. In, that's the best kind. Right. It's not in totality because, you know, I don't have the power to end the Federal Reserve that I'm aware of. Right? No, you no, but you have yeah. the power to do something mm-hmm. rather than nothing. Well, and, and that was the point of, for those that hold religious beliefs that the, the federal or state government say you must comply with this. And it's like, well, no, you can provide an accommodation. Uh, and, and you know, if I had another option for a passport beside a U.S. passport, maybe then you'd, you'd find a way. Right. But it, that's one of those things that we are stuck in a sense with a government that's making rules that most people think, well, I got no choice. And my point is saying you always have a choice. Now, obviously, the choice would be to give up and not have a passport, which kind of sucks yeah. because one of our freedoms, fundamental freedoms, is travel, right? Even I'm uh, certain at some point in my life, I will no longer be getting on airplanes because I'm sure at some point they're going to make it where, well, what <laughs> you've warned about for airline. so many years. Tack airline. Well, there could be competitors, but who knows? At some point, I'm going to have to be willing to give up some of the conveniences in life because liberty, freedom, self-sovereignty, uh, things like that 
aren't always the most convenient. And of course, I like having a convenient life. So when you said 15 minute city, the first thing I think in my head is like, okay, well, I've lived like that for many years. <laughs> I, I kind of like it. But then as Super Don mentions, like, well, what if that's your only option? Then that's not good. So uh, convenience is nice. And I think humans like convenience because we just like we work hard. And of course, as the Federal Reserve devalues our purchasing power, we have less free time to spend with our family and friends. So convenience is a big sell. But it, of course, we do oh. have a choice. So at some point, we have to stop just saying, well, this is the easy way out. Yeah. Yeah, and I've chosen that non-easy way many times in my life. <laughs> oh, I mean, you have. No Everybody has. No, I mean that's it's almost the, the 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 reason for most things that are developed and invented. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. all based on convenience. Yeah, it's, but I'm saying the choice that we're talking about is choosing the less convenient path, and yeah. you know, looking at your life and going, when is it less convenient to comply? Again, it might not be a hardship, but it might just be a perceived hardship based on a belief. A it's a deprogramming that has to take yeah. place. Because, I mean, think yeah. about it. I mean, pr awesome. literally everybody, right? Everybody uh, is always looking for, you know, the, what, what would make things more convenient? It's just something we're programmed to do at this yeah. point, you know? Yeah. Well, and it's I'm also, a, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say Samuel Adams, if we're going to do one of my things, which Please. is citing one of the founders. Yes. He's the father of the American Revolution. He told us a long time ago that all would be free if they, there's a two, one, two punch here, A, valued freedom and B, defended it as they ought. So ultimately, we're talking about a crisis of education when people understand they love freedom and know how to defend it. And then on top of it, have the backbone to do it, whether the government likes it or not. That's when you have a state of freedom. But when our our priority is either one political team or another, or our priority is, well, uh, not being afraid, or if our priority is convenience, then we have to see all that deprogrammed uh, on the scale of the millions and millions of people to see things. Well, how, how many people based on convenience took the jab because they wanted to be able to travel yeah. or, you know, any number of things that you think. Or do anything, really. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, but things that you, you you thought you wouldn't have to ask special permission for or have, you know, a medical uh, intervention before you were allowed to do it, like go to work, for instance. Uh, and so I have a buddy who our, uh, worked for uh, worked for um, uh, Fox and he was told that he had to get the, the vaccine and he didn't and he refused mm -hmm. to. And so they wouldn't let him come into the office. But he said, well, look under my contract. Like He found some loophole where under his contract, they literally had to keep paying him. He moved to Mexico City uh, and he said it was a lot. And this is a guy from Los Angeles. He lived in Mexico City for the bulk uh, of the lockdowns. He said it was way more relaxed there. He was able to go places, spend, do things right. without masks, without jabs, etc. Eventually, I think he came to a deal with Fox. I haven't talked to him in about a year, uh, but he's living in Florida now. His name's Mark Clary. He does a podcast, too, that maybe you're interested in. Well, Fox in New York, of course, uh, they have been, because of Tucker Carlson and some of their other hosts, they've been the, maybe the only, what we call major network, that has overtly gone out against the jab in terms of talking about all the things that it isn't, not safe, it's not effective, et cetera. So I'm, I'm wondering if their policy shifted over that time as well. Although I know the Fox affiliates could have their own policies that might not be related. I would think that was a California thing that was happening I mean, probably, because this yeah. is 
but who knows? And he still, he at least pushed for it. And he was willing actually to say, well, I'm just going to have to not get paid because this is one of those situations where it's like, okay, some people it's like, okay, if you got to feed your kids, what do you do? I don't know. I cannot make the decision for other people, but I think everyone has a line in the sand where they say you've pushed me too far. I mean, I know, uh, Robert, you always mentioned that my great V for Vendetta poster that I've had up in my apartment for so yeah. many years. But if anyone remembers that film, he get, he hacks into the the intercom system, the telescreen system, and he basically says, you know, there's something wrong in this country. You, Everyone kind of gave in. We were f- afraid of pestilence and terrorism, and we just kind of cowered. But, you know, we can see that this was too much. And eventually... Uh, can they keep frightening everyone? I don't know. Yeah, I, I, it's a good question. That's why I keep coming up to the, asking the question, what are you afraid of? Be honest, answer the question, look in the mirror, and then find out what it is and shore up that fear so it's no longer a fear. Because Can I pay you $100 to take that mask off on this flight? It will be exploited. Yeah, yeah, I know. Who was, the, who was the guest who mentioned that? Who was the guy who said that? Steve yeah, yeah, that it is was so like a million dollars or something. Wasn't was it? it? <laughs> was it that much? Well, she got it up to a hundred thousand dollars. Hundred thousand, yeah. She wouldn't take it off. I'm like, and that's what the joke was that everybody wants to find Dude, out. Dude, I'd do it. I mean, yeah, hundred grand? Are you kidding me? A hundred grand? No, but what does it tell oh, you about your? What's program? the worst that can happen? Doesn't matter. These people are just completely disconnected from sorry sir you have to get off the plane okay i've got enough money to get a <laughs> private flight that's right yeah. <laughs> that was amazing yeah Absolutely amazing all right so, so check it out the, yeah go ahead no i was, gonna, I was say, gonna, gonna move on to, to pay for that does he have the cash to pay? Oh, he does yeah no he's he's a very uh, uh man i gotta hang out with him with a mask on he's a yeah. wealthy dude we all yes. so he could pay yeah. me to take it off i'm waiting for the first story that that actually happens so so i uh, here, here's here's the next question uh back on the topic of surveillance yeah uh this tiktok thing oh man uh, it's just been all over the place and everybody's talking about it. Government, Congress bills, they, they were, they were trying to pass this restrict bill or, uh, uh recently I, did you see that where it was, yep. uh, they were going to try and, you know, anyway, where, where, what's going on with TikTok? Well, I mean, it's, uh, you always have to be, have you ever of- used TikTok? Let's just start there. I post a TikTok for the 10th Amendment Center three to five times a week. There you go. So you're familiar with TikTok. I, I, oh, yeah. use, I use TikTok all the time. Uh-huh. Um, I enjoy it, actually. And, a, and several too. several billion other people on the planet do as well. And they, they, they are trying to get this thing where they're going to ban TikTok in the United States. We're going to ban TikTok. And I laugh. In reality. I, what's that? That's not what the bill would do in reality. I mean, it would just criminalize anybody. Well, that's what they say they want to do. They, you know, yeah. as if they're going to be able to to do that. And I think at this point, when you've got millions and millions of people that, more or less, good or bad, are addicted to this thing, it's just it's part of their routine. Um, I don't know how they would do that exactly. Fear, fear. Uh, John Adams in 1776 reminded us that fear is the foundation of most so governments. What would the fear be? James fear Madison. Of, t- James Madison told us fear of a foreign threat. 
I mean, if you follow the Heritage Foundation, the Heritage Foundation is a renowned conservative organization that was one of the biggest champions of the Iraq War and the Patriot Act, telling us that this was going to prevent, you know, the World War III was the war in Iraq. It also told us that the Patriot Act was just going to be used for the terrorists. Well, they are the top sponsors, them and Lindsey Graham in the Senate. The warmonger Graham have been pushing this China is the greatest threat. We need a new Cold War. They just put, published a paper, a new Cold War against China. And yes, all these governments are horrible and totalitarian, but I'm not looking to the largest government in history to protect me against the second largest government in history. And I don't, you know which I, I don't think that's going to work. I don't think so either. I don't think so either, but that is the message. I think that's the message. They want people to be afraid. That that just shows what morons they still are. Uh, If if their strategy is that when people pick up their phone and they push on the TikTok, that they're going to go, ah, China. It's not going to happen because they're clicking on TikTok and they're watching what I think is really some, or it's just some really funny videos and crazy stuff that people put on there and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, so fear, I don't think is, is, is going to work. Cause I don't think people care. I don't think people can associate uh, a fear of communism where every time they open up the TikTok app. Well, they certainly associate fear of something when it comes to the well, politicians are saying we should be afraid of it. They're saying think of that how the China general public, think of how the general public acted in the last three years. Yeah. Well, of course, if, if it was, if you touch this, you'll die. Well, okay, the, then, then yeah, the maybe legislation proposed is to frighten people from opening it because they could be put in jail for 20 years. So again, well, they, they want to say they want to say that China's spying on us and back they to the surveillance are. topic. Yeah. But, you know, Rand Paul made, a, I think, a very good point in the exchange between him. I don't know if you saw this between him and Josh Hawley about yes. and, and he made a good point. He was just like, you know, uh on this phone right here, I've got Facebook uh-huh. and I've got Twitter, uh-huh. <laughs> and, you know, and, and, you know, all these other things, uh, they're doing to the same thing China's doing. The only difference is, is that China's getting the data instead of Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah. And you know that Mark Zuckerberg, his lobbying firm spent about $20 million in support of the Restrict Act. So and I what wonder do they use? How- yeah. What are they using this data for? For advertising, probably, isn't it? Probably advertising, but governments, when they get hands on data, where people go, who they're interacting with, uh, what types of things they read and tap into, they build through metadata. This was part of the uh, Patriot Act debate, which Heritage, Lindsey Graham, people like Josh Hawley absolutely loved, said was just going to be used for the terrorists. And now we know it's used for keeping profiles on who does what, who thinks which way based on the metadata. And the more that they can collect, the more that nefarious governments, which really is a redundant term, can use this type of stuff to profile people. This is the type of person who might be more likely to need a visit from an IRS agent to tomorrow or something like that. And we don't want government to have that kind of data. So we don't like that these apps are collecting so much of it because of that. And I don't trust the Chinese government. I don't trust the U.S. government. I don't trust any of these people. I especially don't trust the largest spy network in the history of humanity to protect me from people who want to be the largest spy network in the history of humanity. It's just Mm -hmm. insane to think about 
what type of options were being uh, presented. Do you think that the, there's no way to put the genie back in the bottle in this situation that, uh, you know, I mean, I guess the answer would be don't get on Facebook, don't get on Twitter, mm. don't get on TikTok, don't use the internet, basically. No. Um, I, 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 I think we've already reached that tipping point here where there's no way to go back on this situation, really. Yeah, and I don't have the technological understanding to discuss uh, things that I've like watched videos on and listened to podcasts about. I like I'm just I'm interested in this because I'm interested in that same question as well. Like, mm -hmm. what can be done? Can we have a connected world in society where the connections aren't used as a tool against us? Currently, I would say no chance. But I keep getting told by good privacy experts and people who want to build new things that there are alternative methods to be able to do these things where the data isn't shared. But mm -hmm. the question is, is there any interest in doing that? Do you, do people want to set up a, a, a red phone or a signal phone to be able to text with each other and, and have and, keys and all that? You would really have to peop, have people, what Samuel Adams said, who love their freedom so much that they're right. willing to go through the inconvenience that does an end run around these you, mainstream You and the, th and the 13 other people that decided exactly. to go ahead and use that, you know. Exactly. What's the point, right? Yeah. Yep. Well, so – it's a tough one. It is. It is. And of course, as long as there are strong centralized bureaucracies uh, profiting off of surveillance. Uh, and of course, yeah, like Amazon, Amazon. Yeah. I mean, I give money to Jeff Bezos all the time. <laughs> but Amazon <laughs> literally like they it's the, the ring, the doorbell tool. This yeah. is they have contracts with all kinds of law enforcement agencies to share data. And this way they can tap into it. I mean, we know that the DEA, for example, this is a rogue agency. Rather than getting warrants as they're required, they're literally buying license plate reader data from private companies so they can track where people are going. And yeah. um, man. If someone doesn't see that as dangerous, I don't know what what could Dude. convince them. Boltron, you brought it again, my friend. Are you kicking me and, out and here already? No, I'm not. We're going to go bonus round. It'll be short because of this event that I'm at. Uh, uh, at Superdon, man, you were actually very engaged this hour, asking great questions. You know what? I love this. I look forward to these because it's yeah. this the chemistry between the three people here and and it's Bolton fun. just brings it. Uh we can just do these conversations like this and I I I look forward to this every time. Yeah. No, I dig it. Absolutely. Only thing I wish is we could try some new food with Michael Bolton. Some mammoth meatballs. Mammoth meatballs, man. <laughs> Beat me to it. That pun intended. Right? So, hey, love to Sarah Beth. Hopefully she's doing well. She is. Great, great. Well, send her she my love. She just got a birthday present today early. Oh, yeah? Can we say what it is? Yeah, I, I left it in the living room when she walked in. It was It's a new vacuum cleaner, but it comes with someone who does the vacuuming. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, man. You, I was, you almost pulled a, an RSB there. Wow. No, I did not purchase her something to do more work. I purchased something <laughs> so she doesn't have to sweep you're anymore. So much, it's going to be me. It's me doing it. Uh -huh. better than me, Michael Bolden. It comes with the operator as well. I, operator included. I nice. Cannot I cannot compete. It's not, not compute. I can compute, but I cannot compete. Oh, I suck at a lot of other stuff around the house. I'm not handy. I'm not good at cleaning. I must, you know. Well, that's but true. Yeah, I get, I get when it comes to vacuuming, I'm a machine. 
Yeah, I, I laid down some tile in a closet that got flooded. So we pulled the the, the carpet out and I pulled the, the baseboard out. I repaired it all, put put a new tile in, and it looks great. I was so pl- pleased. Yeah, not Michael Bolden. I'll, nope. t- I'll show you how to do it if you want. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Okay. Yeah, why don't you show me how to do it by doing it? Okay, I'll, I, just did it. I just did it. All right, uh, Super D, when we come back for the the, the brief um, bonus round, we're here in Virginia at the, uh, the, the Oak Barn at Loyalty. And it's exciting. I, I'm just, I love people that love liberty, love freedom, and, uh, you know, understand these concepts. And we're meeting some along the way. And and I, I just, I don't know if you saw yesterday's show or whatever it was. I think it was we talked about, we were in Lynchburg, Virginia, at a small little diner that's been open since like the 1930s. And the people working there, salt of the earth. I mean, they're delivering food I could no longer eat like I ate my youth. But they're like, I didn't get the jab. We didn't, I knew better. I, you know, like, these are the smartest people on the planet. And yet the hoity-toity Northeastern, you know, Harvard liberals were like, they're all getting jabbed. Where are the yeah, smart what people? is that? Yeah. Yeah. Because I let's, see that. Let's, oh, let's talk break. about it. Bonus on the round. other side of this break, 60 yeah. seconds, we'll be back. And Robert, what is it you got to say? Power to squeal. I mean, heal and eat mammoth meatballs is yours. <laughs> All right, where did we leave off, Super Don? I don't know. Somebody knows. I was too busy getting into that music. I love that music. Yeah, it's fun. It is fun. It's like you're at a college football game or something. All right, Michael Bolden, what did we leave off on? You were paying attention. Mammoth balls. Mammoth Mammoth meatballs. What about uh, free-range mammoth balls? (laughs) Can I ask the question of the day? You would have... You'd have to have an actual mammoth mm-hmm. to have. Well, they free just range. have to grow it, and they just have to genetically yeah. create Welcome the mammoth. Welcome to Jurassic Park. I think exactly. they were all prearranged when they were real, but yeah, yeah the lab grown. But yeah, I think it was about the little diner in Lynchburg, uh, Virginia. Oh right, yeah. don't you the miss eating that meat lo- loaf like that back in the day? I do yeah. actually miss Corn that dogs, flavor. Greasy burgers, all of that. Uh. Stuff. And, Waffle House. But then again, I, I found a place called Burger Bach, like B-A-C-H, like Bach, the composer. And that was in Richmond. Or area. Bach, like the remedy. Or Bach, like the remedy, Bach flower. But the uh, they had uh, grass-fed burgers. Even the, the cheddar cheese was organic last night nice. after the event. Uh, so, I, you know, that was my last meal before the fast today. And uh, it was great. I actually had a nice, nice uh, send-off. But, again, the quality is is the point and and if you can eat one of those greasy burgers good luck man i, I can't do that anymore and no. i couldn't in my young life but i didn't know it was causing so many problems in me and uh, but it, it, to the to the point of that story and that interaction it was like these people are looked down upon by the hoity-toity you know northern oh elite. yeah what is that so yeah. i've noticed this so okay mm-hmm. uh, up until october of this last year i lived mm-hmm. for more than two decades amongst the hoity-toity in a high rent district in the middle of one of the big cities, downtown Los Angeles. And, you know, years ago when we would see street art in the city, it would be generally, you know, F Bush, anti-war type of messaging, uh, you know, to hell with the pharmaceutical companies. And now it's almost completely switched. And, you know, and I watched it happen but it is still kind of mind-blowing. Uh, the flip-flop, the great flip-flop. 
Yeah, it's it really taken place is. with with where where we are now basically consider a lot of us anyway considered more like a classical liberal uh, than anything else. Uh, I miss the old school progressives, and I think RFK Jr. is kind of fits in that. This kind is of the realm reason why I love watching Bill Maher. Didn't oh yeah, to. yeah, he's he's closer to that too, right? Yeah, yeah. Now he's saying stuff, and, and it, you know, it's like all this all this old uh, uh, conservatives are just like. Yeah, hey, yeah, you know, it, it it almost seems dirty, you know, like when you're doing it because it's like, wait a minute, that's Bill Maher, you know, right? Uh, or I'm a big Pete Seeger fan musically. I love Pete Seeger, and I've listened to so many of his live shows from the Vietnam era. And I remember him; he would all well, not always, but pretty regularly, he would do a a, a take of a Woody Guthrie song, and I forget the song, but he would go through this where they came up with their own version of it, and one of uh, the phrases was. Yeah, I will gladly point a gun for my country, carry a gun for my country, but I can't tell you which way I'm going to point it. And that was the mentality of a lot of people on the hard left at the time. Maybe not a lot, but at least some. Uh, And that is almost gone. Yeah. Did I tell you, Michael, that my dad, dad, when he was a teenager um, in Far Rockaway, New York, he uh, would occasionally babysit for Phil Oaks and his brother. Oh, cool. Yeah. You talk about Pete Seeger era. Yeah. Phil Oaks. And he wrote a lot of the anti-war songs of that generation. Man, like well. Pete Seeger's yeah. What Did You Learn in School Today <laughs> is just a classic. Government will never lie. All the wars are there to protect us, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I'm sure it's still on all the, the and if, major if, platforms. If there's a criticism for that, you know, and I don't know how legitimate it was because it was before my era, but yes, we can listen to the music. Were they tending to believe that they had the perception that communism would really solve these problems or not? So Pete Seeger was a commie and he talks about it. He said, I was anti-war. And at the time, the only people who were anti-war were the commies. So I felt kinship. I was against uh, segregation. The only people at the time who were against segregation that he at least he interacted with were the commies. So I joined up with them. So I think when you look at things that unfortunately people who believe in freedom weren't on the board with it right. drives people to the wrong solutions exactly. so That's i don't point. necessarily yeah i don't have to agree with someone's solutions but i do like at least i i miss the old progressives i spent so much time well, <laughs> around them in my life war and it wasn't just the anti-war it, the anti-pharma the yeah. the like the small farm type of a mentality. You just don't see that as much anymore. And I have a friend for many years who lived up in Berkeley. And of course, and he would tell me stories. He's like, man, as a kid, it was one thing. And now all the people who were, uh, you know, anti-war are now out there protesting ATM fees. Like what happened to you people? There's still the wars out there. Yeah. Dude, I'm I'm looking forward to hitting the beach tomorrow and Sunday and maybe a little bit Monday before heading back. I'm going to clear Persian water New beach. Year this weekend. Yeah. It's a big deal, right? Yeah. Persian New Year, Jewish New Year. Is it Jewish New Year this year uh, yeah. weekend too? I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, so there's a lot going on and we're Someone's gonna got I'm going to be eating some kebabs. That's all I know. I need some awesome. kind of I need to eat some kind of lamb. This Dude, it's always a, a, a celebration when we get to hang out with you, Mike Holden. <laughs> and some kind of flame Mm-hmm. broiled lamb 
That's going to be the new thing. Upcoming okay, event. so I asked in the chat yeah. recently if anyone had a recommendation for a natural liverwurst or Braunschweiger or a supplier. Okay. And I had a couple. Uh, nothing that I was able to access. I mean, there were a couple people who posted links, but I've been trying to kind of up my liver intake and I will eat chicken livers. I will eat beef livers, but not, I'm like, I'm not running out to get them. So I was thinking, right. oh, okay, I could do some liverwurst because I grew up with that and I sure. love liverwurst. I know that but a lot of times was... it's got so much filler and other junk in it. Yeah. That they're, it's hard to find. Out of Switzerland, I remember there was a company oh. that did this, and they came in giant toothpaste tubes, metal yeah, like toothpaste that. I tubes. I see those, yeah. Yeah, and those were good, and they're clean, too. I just well, don't just remember like the brand. You just, like, squirt it out and eat it? Yeah, exactly. No, you put yeah. it on I've never, I've not it. found, I've been searching for quite some time for organic liverwurst. The closest I find is, like, free-range bison liverwurst, and maybe I'll try that. I just don't know the Yeah, if they're eating grass, you've got the equivalent, I believe, of mm. what we call organic, so uh, I'd have no problem with that. Can't you just take, like, desiccated liver or something and just... Yeah, well, you can take the... You're getting the... Yeah, but yeah, I you do love that flavor. Yeah. Really? Yeah. It's that good, huh? I love it's that It's got flavor. the word worst in it. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> but you got, you got the, the metallic taste, the iron and, and copper. I mean, it's very potent there if you can if you like it it's you know it's appealing now, i like it. it so speaking of foods i don't like i found one that i'm maybe not into the texture and that's chicken hearts so but <laughs> too chewy it is too mm. chewy i even did a 50 50 chicken heart chicken liver 30 minutes with olive oil uh some himalayan salt and pepper just bake it and that's usually how i would make a chicken liver but mm, it was too chewy See. He, he can't tile the floor, but he can make some interesting food. <laughs> Very creative. All right, y'all check out the upcoming events because I'm not going Yummy. through them. I'll see y'all, some of those of you who are in Clearwater. Shout out to Jamie Dorley and the crew from Nutritional Frontiers. Looking forward to seeing you guys tomorrow for the weekend and then heading back. And then we've got a number of other events coming up, including BeHealthyUtah.com. So check that out. I wish Michael Bolden were at any or all of them. But until I've then, got vacuuming to do. You can He's busy. Vacuum, yeah. With the new yeah. vacuum, you have to send me a picture of, of what that is. I will, I promise. Yeah. I want to <laughs> is it that. a nice vacuum? I'm sorry. I said, is it is it a, is it a, a nice vacuum? Is it like a Dyson? Yeah, or I mean, it's or? the brand new, the latest model Dyson. Oh, those yeah. things are cool. Yeah. yeah. You have so, to take a loan out to get one, but they're cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it definitely was. Uh, yeah, not. Uh, they're pricey. Whew. All right, guys. Thank you to Brian Hooker for being on board today in hour one. Thank you to Michael Bolden for joining us. Uh, just such a joy to hang out with you, Michael. And uh, Super D, I love that you're so engaged when we do this. And I want to thank uh, Jonathan Emord and his crew and his team for hosting me for the last three days. And we've been having some great events and beautiful music that's being shared as well. I love that part of it. I like that the creative arts, that there's not just talking. I'm just disappointed nobody was snoring during today's show today. Yeah, just, yesterday, Andrew LaPasser was snoring. Did you he catch that, up. Michael? Oh, no. my God. Michael, uh, Emord's campaign manager was so tired. Oh, yeah, and he woke him up. I didn't hear the snoring, yeah. though. I remember oh, when he yeah. woke up. I, I, I'll, let you, I'll tell you, I have isolated the clip. Oh, uh, yeah. we're talking. Yeah, I haven't done yeah. anything with it yet, but I'm That's thinking maybe next reels. time. Put that on reels. Yeah. TikTok. We'll, we'll, 
We'll have some fun with that with Emord next time he's, he's on. He's like, no easy on me. I have a CPAP at home. So I'm like, no, we're not going easy on you. He's a good guy. The thing is, I joked about it. He was laughing about it. So he's a good guy. You know, you he's know sport, people yeah. that have that humor are really under, underneath it all good people. The people that lost humor, uh, I just can't hang out with those people. I just can't. can't Boring, do it. right? Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. All right. Sign off however you want to sign off, and I'm going to get right. ready for this event. And then well, thanks, thanks, Michael, for being on. Looking forward to uh, two weeks from now. I've got it on an automated recurring calendar signed yeah. up for myself. Right. So it's right. 2023, so much better. Did the audio so, stay clean the whole route, or did I yeah, slip it did. clicking? Yes, it so did, here's did. what I did this time, okay. just so you guys know. Yeah. I logged in. I used yeah. Firefox, and mm-hmm. before we started. I reloaded because I, it just seems like no matter what browser I use, I always have to reload. So I tried it with the same browser and it worked. All right. All right. Well done. Thank you. Maybe for that's the trick. Insight. We'll try right, again yeah. next time. Peace guys. Have a great weekend. And remember the power to heal. We all got to say at the same time is, is yours. yours. Yeah, baby. <laughs>